The Minister has said a number of times that they have another commission. Presently, besides the Presidential Commission, there is a task team or commission um, headed by the present head of NASFA, Siswe, who's going to look in greater detail into the phenomenon of the missing middle. So what ha- what's happening at the moment, it's a stopgap measure. It's a short-term measure just for one year. And as you know, it's just a small amount. It's not all the fees. It's just 8% uh, percent, um, uh, the increase, the increment, right? Yes. Our critique, Dini, is that, look, first of all, the missing middle uh, is not the same as the middle class because even if you're a mine worker, say earning 10,000 rand a month, uh-huh. you don't qualify for NASFAS. Yes. You see? So that's the first point. I know, I think you know that the missing middle doesn't mean middle class, Mm. you know. Uh, There are working poor, actually, who still don't qualify. Then, uh, so where do these these, uh, parents get the fees from? Whether they're working poor or the sons and daughters of the civil servants, they get it from the bank. Yes. Right? What is the interest rates of the bank? It's huge, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, um, And remember, these are loans. Even for students who uh, qualify after the means test, that money has to be paid back. So the NASFAS loans, um, it's 80% of the repo rate. So the interest payments on the loan is not as high. But for working parents who don't make NASFAS and others, uh, the the interest rate, uh, the interest accumulates, you know, and it's not income contingent. In other words, it doesn't mean that you only start paying back once you graduate. Uh, you pay, you the interest starts even while you are studying. Yes. So what I am saying in the bigger scheme of things, this eight percent increment that will be subsidized doesn't make a huge amount of difference. And it's just uh, for one year. Yeah. You see? Now, there is a document, Dini, um, which is a very useful um, investigation. It's a thick document. It's available on the internet, the DHAT website. Uh, It's a study of um, uh, the problems with NASFAS. Have you seen it, Prof? What does it say, the the main issues with with NASFAS funding? Well, besides besides problems of impropriety and all of that, which you know about, Mm. right? Yes, yes. What has been happening is that there were problems with the means test, there were problems with universities, stop slicing, some universities putting all the NASFAS money into a pot and then equally distributing it among students. As a result, students' fees would be covered, but because, you know, they wanted to stretch the money to cover as many students as possible. So fees might be covered, 
but nothing like accommodation or food. And as a result, many of these students' fees were paid, but they were starving or they were living in slum-like conditions, right? Yes. And they had to go and find other work, and therefore their studies suffered. Many problems like that. Precisely, you see, I mean, at the moment, look, students are getting a bad rap from the minister, and, you know, the whole narrative is about hooliganism and burning, etc. But they, you know, know something. <laughs> they know that what happens to those people, the status quo will come into, will remain, mm-hmm. you know. So they're still going to have, they'll still be excluded if they don't uh, get those bank loans, you know. Um, so that's the unfortunate, in the absence of another plan. Mm. So that's the key issue. This is just a holding operation, as the presidential commission is, because if you look at the mandate, they must just look at the feasibility of free education. But, yeah. well, I was in a working group, uh, on fee-free education for the poor, which was chaired by Dennis Swart. We've done that already. We've had other uh, working groups. So the Presidential Commission, uh, one understands the skepticism that this is just further kicking the can down the road. With what is happening, it seems that education has become a commodity, a privilege, And some people are arguing that it should become a basic human right. What's your stand on that? I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's all about how we understand education, whether it is a commodity to be bought or sold, or whether we see it as a human right. Um... Uh, And uh, it has been established a long... I mean, 1948, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights Mm -hmm. talks about... Well, it talks about the progressive realization of higher education, but it says basic education is... should be free and compulsory, right? But what we see is not the progressive realization of higher education because more and more the fees increase because the state hasn't put in enough money. When I say state, I'm talking about, you know, they just manage our money. It's not their money, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. It's our taxes, as you know. Yes, yes. So, so I think that is the crux of the matter. That is absolutely the issue. I'm saying, we are saying, that this is a societal issue. Um, it's not whether you have your... Uh, if it affects you directly in the form of either being a student or a professor. Mm. Its universities are meant to be for the public good. It shouldn't be commodified. And, you know, this pamphlet, as well as our submission, shows why we have enough money without increasing taxes on the middle class or VAT. But we're talking about the super-rich. We're talking about this gear neoliberal policy that allows the rich to become richer and inequality to grow. So it's very disingenuous to blame students for allowing inequality to continue and for benefiting the rich. That is very short-sighted to use that logic because it just doesn't make sense. Last, last, last one. Is it possible in their lifetime to have free education at tertiary level? Oh, long before their lifetime ends. 
Um, it can be done. It's not impossible. It's achievable. And that's what our submission uh, explains, yeah, mm-hmm. briefly.